The Next Level Podcast is brought to you by AIM Home Healthcare, located at 1208 Eagle Ridge Boulevard in Pueblo, Colorado. For more information, call 719-924-9458. It is that time again, my friends. The Next Level Podcast, Tristan, JP, Antoine Burton. This week, we've got a big show planned for you because if you haven't been around, you've missed a heck of a season so far. This week, joining us, starting off the show, UFC fighter Raquel Pennington. Gentlemen, if you were unaware which I know you are, and Tisha Torres, don't forget, this is the dynamic duo of UFC <laughs> fighters. Raquel, I just want to start with you. You've got a four-match winning streak. Thank you for joining us because you have got big belts under your uh, under your name right now. Fact. I'm pretty excited about that one. Yeah, but and, it's a pleasure to talk to you guys. Yeah, well, thank you so much. And and I just want to go through some of these. Your last four wins: Misha Tate, Elizabeth Phillips, Betch Cohea, and Jessica Andrade. But that's not anything. AB got her start on the Ultimate Fighter. I know this was something you liked a lot. Fought for Team Tate against Team Rousey. No, I'm definitely an Ultimate Fighter fan. Uh, this was the first time they had co-ed coaches or co-ed team and an all-female cast uh, as far as coaches. Um, I watched every episode closely, uh, was bought in. Uh, I loved with the, uh, the Rousey and Tate kind of back and forth. But how was that being in that type of uh, uh, turmoil and passion at, guys, uh, at women at the top of their game and then having other people in the house and still having to try to be the best and, and get that belt and get to the championship? You know, it was a pretty cool opportunity, I guess you can say. Um, it was definitely unique. It was challenging. Uh, the fact that they take you out of what you're comfortable with and what you know, and they lock you into this house with people that you don't really know or you may know, but you don't have the greatest relationships with. And then, of course, with the coaching, the coaches having their rivalry going on. Um, it was definitely a different experience, but uh, I guess the way that I like to say it is I learned a lot about myself as a person and as an athlete during that time. I definitely got to grow, and just to be a part of something to where rip, women's MMA was really kicking off was uh, pretty exciting. So, I mean, as far as that, I enjoyed the whole experience. Um, the coaches and their turmoil, that was a <laughs> little overwhelming. Um, I do have to say, though, a lot of people think that uh, Rhonda just showed her butt on the show, but let me tell you, Misha had a way of... Um, showing her butt when the cameras weren't around and then when the cameras would come running around that's when she would act like an angel so it was definitely interesting uh the whole time that we were out there i'm not gonna lie misha kind of gives that off if you don't know her or just watching she kind of gets you in the side instead of the front but hey it's uh, all there to each his own <laughs> to each his own i, I like your uh, uh brutal honesty uh Tisha, you were a part of the ultimate fighter as well how, how was your time it was fun. Um, I said I wouldn't do it again, but I probably would do it again. You know, I don't know. But um, mine was a little bit more catty as far as castmates where it goes um, than the coaches because it was an all-female cast, and there were 16 of us, and uh, we all kind of knew each other prior to coming to the UFC. I'm sorry, yeah, to the UFC um, fight house. Um, we had, like, I guess old baggage, and a lot of us had fought each other already, so... We had history, and that made it even more catty. But at the end of the day, it was fun, and it was, you know, a great opportunity to, to be on TV and for people to see us um, as, you know, normal human beings, not just the fighter inside the octagon. 
Now, Tisha, one of the coolest things is when you got signed to the UFC, you came in for the strawweight division, like this brand new women's division, and you were one of 11 women signed to fight in that first division. Do you feel pretty cool going in there and starting things off as hot as you did? Yeah, for sure. You know, um, outside the UFC, our only like choice basically was Invicta. That was the place for women. And then I said, you know, once the UFC brought in my weight class, I'd want to be in it. And as soon as they brought in my weight class and the rumors, you know, became true, I got a phone call saying, you know, welcome to the Ultimate Fighter. We want you to be on the show, blase, blase. So I don't know, like, I didn't think there was going to be an opportunity to actually make money as a professional fighter. But once Dana allowed us in, um, you know, it, it changed a lot of us girls, I guess, lives, you know. Now, Raquel, you were set to, to take on the number one fighter. And then you had the uh, the ATV accident. You were up in the mountains hunting with your cousins and your your relatives. And then all of a sudden, this freak accident, the leg gets broke. Uh, at one point, you didn't even know if uh, you were going to be able to use your foot. And now you're you're getting back at it. How? What did you go through during that, that first little time period with that? Getting that phone call for the world title was something that I've always dreamed of. And to get that, I mean, obviously a dream come true. But I believe everything happens for a reason. Sometimes we may not know those reasons in the moment. But there's definitely a reason. And I was pretty devastated when the accident happened. I've been hunting ever since I was seven years old. Never had any issues. And right. this happened. And so, you know, I mean, just learning everything that could have gone wrong uh when the doctors told me that it could have been a high risk of amputation there could have been a chance of drop foot like all these crazy things i'm just glad that i'm alive everybody's okay and to talk to ufc they told me that the opportunity will still be there when i get back so it definitely lifted my spirits and right now i'm just i'm having fun uh spending time with my family for the holidays and working on my upper body until my leg uh decides to start working for me again mm-hmm. <laughs> now i've got to ask you as a guy who also goes up there looking for animals where were you uh we went up by we went to pick like out that way by gunnison colorado okay now see i just spent in that cold bowl Ooh, yeah i spent a yep. few days uh just on the other side of uh i think it was the the Spanish Peaks, and uh, all we did was take our guns for a walk for four days. We didn't see or hear anything up there. Was was anybody I, successful you know on your hunt? No. So, you know what's frustrating? We were actually hunting that morning. I hiked a 14-er. Um, just, we were halfway up already, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go hike up. We're not seeing anything at the moment. And on the back side of that 14-er, where you cannot get down into was a big old herd of elk. So <laughs> that was a little motivating. I come back down, get my cousins, and we decided we were going to go back to camp just to get some coffee and then go set back up in that area to see if maybe they come around um, the other side of the mountain. And it was as we were going down, headed back to camp, that's when the accident happened. So instead of getting my coffee and setting back up to get an elk hunt, I ended up at the emergency room. And so I wish that I had a great story to where it was like, yeah, I injured my leg, but I got this awesome, like, six-by-six massive elk, but it didn't happen for me. Now, talking about trophies, Tisha, you're bringing a 9-1 and record into your next fight, UFC 218, for those of you that are interested, December 2nd, coming up in Detroit. You've got a big fight against Michelle Watterson. Are you ready to go out there and prove that you are the best in the strawweight division, and what's that preparation been like for this fight? Yeah, I'm excited for this fight. It's been a long time coming, and uh, 
this is actually my first full fight camp with uh, my Colorado team. I mean, I moved here in May, and then we took a fight on three weeks' notice, so that really wasn't a full fight camp. But this one, we had, you know, enough notice, and I'm just excited to showcase my new skills that I've developed, and I think I've just been getting better and better with my last two fights, and um, those have been my fights with um, this Colorado team. So I'm just excited to, you know, surprise myself in there. And and I don't think there's any any doubt that you're going to come out hotter than ever. Your first couple of victories all by decision. This last one in in July came by rear naked choke. Is that like a uh, uh, ode to uh, some of the training you had seen? That difference in that Colorado team is that where you got the uh, submission out of? I do think so. You know, I'm getting a lot more individualized training here, and um, I think just a new mindset going into things. You know, fresh minds coming into my mind and giving me new knowledge so it's, it's been fun learning from these new coaches and having Raquel here and stuff so I'm just you know happy and wanting to go ahead and go out and fight and get it done with already you know now Raquel I've got a quick question for you because not only do I hunt but I'm uh I'm a veteran and I've noticed that uh grunt style is something that you've been sporting a lot how'd you get hooked up with those guys um, you know, they actually reached out to me and they decided that they wanted to expand their brand into a different area. Um, so they decided to work with an athlete and, uh, we kind of just started a partnership. Um, and you know, I mean, it's been awesome. They're an awesome group of people. I've done lots of training at the world-class athlete program on, uh, Fort Carson. And then I've traveled around to different military bases and done a lot of meet and greets. So I think just with that, and then as we all got to know each other, they just, they really felt that the type of person I am fits uh, basically what their company is. Uh-huh. And so um, we just started our partnership. And then after I beat Misha Tate, that was the first fight they went out to and really supported me. They flew me out to Chicago right after that. And they surprised me with uh, my brand new truck. And then they've just been 100% supportive. And they're looking forward to me becoming the world champion and the big things that we can do from there. Okay, now I, I have to admit I've kind of low key been stalking your uh, your Twitter a little bit the last couple of days, <laughs> and uh, I guess I guess since I'm admitting it, it's it's not creepy or anything. Okay. Um, but I was curious about the truck if that was your truck or if that was uh, somebody from Grunt Style that you've been palling around with. Yeah, no, it's actually my truck. They uh, oh, surprised me after I beat me. Yeah, so. it's pretty sweet. It's a truck. And they just handed it to you. I huh? love it. Yeah, it was crazy. They flew me out there, and it was weird because they got me, um, they got me a flight, and I was like, "Where is my return flight?" And they're like, "We emailed it to you," and I was like, "No, you didn't." And they kept like bullshitting with me that they emailed it to me. <laughs> so then I fly out to Chicago and I get there, and then they just um, they had all the workers and everybody go out into the loading dock, and they drove in the truck and gave a speech and presented me with the truck and so instead of flying home i ended up having i think it was like a 17 hour road trip back home in my new truck well worth it though huh it was i love it so listen i know both of you guys are uh it's holiday week you got a lot of things going on uh i kind of want to get you guys out of here with this question and, and this is the both of you um i uh, i run a gym down here in pueblo colorado and uh i have athletes of all levels and uh, I tell a lot of them, um, kind of getting to that big show is somewhat easy. Uh, it's when you make it where that magnifying glass gets 
uh, a little hotter and kind of picks up all the details. And uh, both of you guys have kind of come up through the grassroots of the women division. And like I said, uh, I'm an Ultimate Fighter fan, and currently uh, the episodes going now is an all-female cast. Um, could you both talk about the transition of the grind uh, to the flashing lights and people who aspire to be like you? How do they continue their focus and their preparation? You know, I guess the number one thing that I say to any athlete that I'm around, and I coach high school gymnastics, so I always tell my gymnast, is that the number one thing that you have to do is always go out there and be yourself, and you need to make sure that you're always having fun. It's something that you have to definitely be passionate about, and when you're passionate about, that drives you far because you're sitting there, you're working hard, you're enjoying it, and it doesn't become this job and everything else. So as long as you're having fun and you have the passion, there it is. Um, I believe that you should always work hard. Whenever you walk into the gym, no matter what's going on in your life, you just you leave it on the outside, and the gym is your fun time. The gym is where you work hard and you dedicate everything that you have to it, and you just you push yourself, you challenge yourself. Because at the end of the day, you know, I mean, nobody nobody is walking into that octagon with you except for you and one other person. But the challenge starts with yourself. You have to uh, you have to beat the challenge that every individual always faces within the, within themselves. They always have different questions about themselves. Am I good enough? Have I trained hard enough? You know, whatever it is. Um, so I think that you just, you got to grind, you got to have fun and um, just take it one step at a time. So many people are such in a rush to go from one level and just jump to the highest level. And, you know, it didn't come that easy for me and Tisha. It was work. It took us 10 years to, it took me 10 years to get, to where I'm at today, and I'm grateful for every step that I've ever had to face, whether it was something that I really wanted to do or something that I really didn't want to do. Um, it's just constantly throwing challenges at me, and I'm a go-getter. I like the I like the challenges, and I like to see how it makes me progress. No doubt, no doubt. Tisha? Um, she kind of said that really, really good. But um, <laughs> rolling off what she said, for the most part for me is like gaining the experience and not rushing. Um, prior to being a professional fighter. I had 27 fights. I had 20 kickboxing fights, seven MMA fights. So I really took my time and I was an amateur for about, I think, four years before I went pro. Uh, I see these days, you know, everybody's trying to chase the fame, chase the money, and, you know, try to make that pro first pro fight. But once you go pro, that, that record stays there, you know, gain that experience as an amateur. If you're going to get losses, get them as an amateur, you know? And, uh, she's throwing me off. <laughs> we're, we're, uh, we have our, our goddaughter here, and uh, she's talking to us. Sorry, so I lost my <laughs> But, yeah, just basically gain the experience, have fun. Um, and if you're a female, I'd say try to find a gym with other female athletes if you can. Like, I would definitely recommend that because females fight so differently than men, and our bodies are different. We move differently. But definitely training with men helps you, and I say continue to do that. But if you can find a gym with other female athletes, um, that's awesome. It's really helped me throughout my career. And... Uh, and I always stay humble, too, you know, like, just because, you know, people always write us so we inspire them, blah, blah, you know, and stuff like that, but it, it comes to a point where you have to understand where you started, and you were once there, you know, and I know Raquel is really big about, like, if somebody wants her autograph, wants to talk to her, or they want her to do something, and they're not necessarily going to pay her, or pay her, like, what she, you know, deserves, like, she'll do it, because she just knows that, you know, 
back when she played basketball, you know, and she looked up to these basketball players. If she wanted someone's autograph, you know, that's how these little kids are now looking up to us as, you know, female athletes or just professional MMA fighters. And they, any little, like, like tidbit we can give them, they really take it in, you know, with a grain of salt, and it means the world to them. So just, like, saying hi to them, it, like, you know, they get nervous and stuff. Even grown adults, they get nervous. But it's like, hey, if you see us, like, in the mall or at Walmart, like, come say hi. Like, we're really, really friendly, and we're down to take photos and stuff like that. We like that. People. I think another thing is to... Yeah. I think another thing is just to have confidence. Don't ever be intimidated because at the end of the day, um, the cool part about MMA, and it should be that way in most sports families, but everybody starts at different levels. Everybody has different levels of talent, but we're all there to grind and help each other to be the best that we can be. So never be intimidated. Just have that confidence, and through it, you're going you're gonna to discover that you're building more confidence as an individual. Well, we appreciate you guys stopping by because you talk about being thankful and doing all of this, and we appreciate you stopping and talking with us more than you can imagine. So, Raquel, Tisha, best of luck to you in the future. Uh, thank you so much for stopping by and chatting with hey, us this week. Hey, hey, yeah, guys, thank you. Hey, but real quick, I wanted to say something. People who inspire the most don't want the recognition. And that is why I said earlier, like I said, I, I looked you guys up. I've been fans, and you guys are an inspiration. And the best ones who really don't really want that recognition have humility, have humility in their heart uh, for the sacrifice that they've made and hope that they can pass it on to the next because that's how we become better as people. That's how we become better as teammates, and that's how we become better as a society. So uh, keep inspiring, stay humble, uh, huge fans of yours. Good luck, Tisha, in your next fight. Um, and to a speedy recovery, Raquel. I uh, hope to talk to you guys soon. Thank you. I definitely appreciate it. And I definitely agree with what you said. You know, I, I tell my gymnast all that that you just said. And a lot of people, it's even like we may be in the position we're in just because we're following our passion and living our dream. But even with my girls, I tell them, you know, they're so inspired by me and it pushes them to be better. But they inspire me on a daily basis as well. So it's like it's a mutual positive circle and i think a lot of people don't realize that love it positive reciprocation we should all be this way you guys are awesome (laughs) thank you so much thank you for joining us thank you guys thank you thank you good night kel pennington tisha tisha torres stick around for the rest of the next level podcast you won't want to miss it this week the next level podcast is brought to you by aim home Healthcare, located at 1208 eagle ridge boulevard in pueblo colorado For more information, call 719-924-9458. Stay woke, my friends. Welcome back to the Next Level Podcast. If you missed our first segment of the week, you missed a heck of an interview. Tisha Torres, Raquel Pennington, both fighters in the UFC. Uh, Awesome interview, gentlemen. I I implore you to go back and find it. Uh, AB, got you in the fighting mood. I know you've got a shout out this week. Yeah, real quick shout out to uh, Pacific Warrior, um, Jeff Santos, uh, the Raptor, uh, got to win the TSC promotion over the weekend in Springs. Also, James D. Herrera um, was an awesome fight. Uh, another shout out to uh, A&E Custom Print, uh, who actually invited me to their table to be able to see the fight. Um, they actually made all of our banners, made my hat, my next level hat. Um, so uh, shout out to those guys. A really exciting, exciting match. Jeff basically dominated his opponent within one round, and uh, that was pretty awesome to see because I was able to see him firsthand, kind of 
put in that work. You know what I, I saw put in not much work this weekend and get dominated is the Denver Broncos, gentlemen. <laughs> this has chapped my liver more than anything this season. Your liver, huh? Chapped well, I was going to say liver. chapped my arse, but this is a family show. <laughs> so the Broncos went out there and tried, tried their best. <laughs> much like you right now, yeah. Tristan. No, it's all good. <laughs> all right. We're listening. We're listening. I Chap- don't know if my liver can take it. All right. All right. <laughs> Lay it on. Pile it on. You guys think this is just the best thing in the world. Listen, I'm just... Lip balm for your liver. It's all right. All right. Denver Broncos, go ahead. I feel like I play on the Broncos. I'm so sad. So, three and seven on the season. Season pretty much done. They just fired offensive coordinator Mike McCoy. I mean, this is a team in shambles. Bill Musgrave, the quarterback coordinator, moved up to offensive coordinator. This is a team that has nowhere to go, uh, and there's already cries for head coach Vance Joseph. People are mad at John Elway. Now they're saying Paxton Lynch is the answer after he wasn't for two seasons. What (laughs) is going on in Denver? So I'll I'll backtrack real quick because I said about two weeks ago on our podcast that when you have bad quarterback play, it can potentially seep into your defense. It can seep into your team. And that's what it looked like the last two or three weeks. Yeah. It looked like an um, unmotivated defense and unmotivated special teams and unmotivated offensive line and unmotivated. I, I, I seen Demaris Thomas uh, alligator arm so many uh, passes, uh, kind of jog through routes. Um, on some of these kickoff returns, even mm-hmm. a week ago, you kind of seen guys trailing behind. They don't look as ferocious. It doesn't look like uh, as much effort uh, as it sh- that should be put forth in an NFL professional game, especially uh, to the standard of a different Broncos organization. Mm-hmm. Um, thus, the fact John Elway coming out and saying that the team was soft. 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 And that's not S O F T. That's S A W F T. Bad soft. So it, it's, uh, as a Denver Bronco fan, I, I don't know where you go from here. It, 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 uh, it, it's in the water. Blood is in the water for everyone. Uh, Vance Joseph, he is under fire. Uh, and, and it's how you respond. And in these moments, that's how you win your job back. It's how you respond uh, to these adverse situations, knowing. Uh, your playoff uh, probability is null and void. Yeah. And this is where you find going into the next year, are we going to stick with these players, this coach, this scheme, this system? Um, but it, it, firing Mark McCoy, I, uh, I do think that's a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. But we still need somebody to be able to um, find an identity for an offense with bad quarterback play. Because – Trevor Simeon isn't it. Brock Osweiler isn't it. And uh, I guess we're calling for Paxton Lynch as if he's going to be live up to his first-round selection, which I don't think that to be the case because the blood is already in the water. You're just – Feeding to the fish at this particular moment. Now, and Osweiler, he had a decent, like, numbers-wise, he had a decent day. 254, one TD, one interception. The run game hasn't been there either. Booker, 44. C.J. Anderson, 37. Uh, Osweiler was the third leading rusher with twenty-seven yard, or 24 yards. And then Jamal Charles only uh, chipped in with seven. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of pressure on the quarterback. A lot of, you know, they all suck, but this guy could be the guy. But what about the run game? Can't even get that going really, and I know when you're when you're trailing, you throw the ball. You've got to to try to get back in the game, mm-hmm. but I don't know. There's no. It doesn't seem like the run game can take any pressure off 
of the quarterback either. So I, I, I think we're uh, some sometimes simplicity is the key. Um, we're, we're talking about all these certain components, and this lays heavily on the head coach. That's why I think there could be some head rollings at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. But Akeem Tlaib, Chris Harris, Stewart, Derek Wolf, Von Miller, Shane Ray, Brandon Marshall. These guys are healthy. Yeah. These guys are playing. Mm-hmm. The formula should be we have a juggernaut defense, strap your helmet on, run block, because all these guys are NFL players. You can't tell me you can't run block in the NFL. You can't tell me C.J. Anderson is in a formidable back, a back that can get you yards. You got a great defense, an offensive line. You, you know what you know what you have on the uh, on the outsides, and this is where we're going to get to a little bit with your uh, Dallas Cowboys. Play <laughs> action is king. Play action is king in uh, the NFL. So you got to sustain, uh, sustain a running game, mm-hmm. and then you got these bookends on the outside and Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas. You're not going to be able to feed these guys all game. You don't have the talent, a quarterback. So your only formula – And now listen, I'm not a coach of an NFL team, but just from the optics sitting at home watching on my couch, we know you got a great defense. you got NFL <laughs> offensive linemen. I don't care how terrible you are. You're in the NFL. You can run block. Uh, get that running game going. Every now and again, give some play action to those bookends, those speed uh, outside receivers, and, and, and kind of hope for the best on that. that that's your – that's your strategy, but it doesn't seem like they're taking that route. Well, and McCoy, obviously, is going to be the first domino to fall in that. You think the offense is sputtering as badly as it is. The problem for me is the guy you promote is in charge of the worst quarterback unit in the <laughs> NFL. Bill Musgrave, the, the quarterback coach, the former offensive coordinator for Oakland, steps in as the new OC, and in his first remarks, he says, our first goal is to have the quarterbacks complete more passes. Dude, you've been in charge in it, it for the whole season. And now all of a sudden you're the OC, and now that's your wise words? And it, it, it's just not there. Uh, we don't have – you know, we miss a guy like Julius Thomas. And Julius Thomas, he hasn't been the same since he's left. Yeah. Uh, but we, we miss that tight end threat. We don't have it. We've seen – Well, and the, the guy that you went out and got hasn't played yet. And then they also uh, drafted uh, a fifth-rounder out of Michigan yeah. who's coming off a – you know, he came off a, mm-hmm. a, a horrific uh, uh, college-ending uh, injury. Uh, but we, we don't have that person to kind of stretch that seam. Uh, that, that's just from a personnel standpoint. And then also you have to point to, you know, John Elway. He picked the players. Man, I, I he, will give you he picked the players. maybe the most interesting note I've ever heard in Colorado sports. Dan O'Dowd, the former owner GM of the Colorado Rockies, once drafted Michael Vick, Todd Helton, and Kyle Parker, all three college quarterbacks, very successful. John Elway's best draft picks at quarterback, Brock Osweiler, Paxton Lynch, and Zach Dicer. Who did the better job at drafting quarterbacks? <laughs> Just think about it for a second, guys. But it, all, all of it is a crapshoot. Like, you know, anybody can be a, a – and I don't mean a – you know, but anybody can be a Monday uh, morning uh, yeah. analysis GM of a, or quarterback. Or, of a quarterback. Or... Uh, and, and everything is probability and potential. Um, John Elway has done a lot of things for 
the Denver organization. He's done it as a player and as an executive. Mm-hmm. But at this particular point, we have we do have to point to he he's failed in some spots miserably. Well, and and a big thing I've seen back and forth is players are mad at the fact that Wade Phillips is gone. Players are mad Doing at the work fact in LA. that TJ yeah. Ward yeah. is gone. These guys that you know you think we can get rid of them because we've got the pieces in place. How important is it to have that glue that holds those pieces in place? A guy like Wade Phillips, a guy like TJ Ward, who they thought was replaceable because of Justin Simmons, we mentioned earlier in the season. These are all pieces that you think may be replaceable until you see in the grand scheme of things, all the other things are there. It's just these couple of pieces that aren't. And TJ Ward might have been a little older. Um, uh, he could have been a little more expensive. They replaced him with Justin Simmons, uh, someone who I actually, who uh, Morgan Fox trained with and myself, uh, mm-hmm. fit speed. Uh, he's fast. He's one of the fastest short shuttles, one of the fastest or highest jumpers at a safety position. Great kid. Will be a great player. Uh, but T.J. Ward was an, an OG in the game, and he kind of yeah. gave you that that vocal part of your, your defense. And he's seen it all. Because at, at the end of the day, Vaughn really isn't the vocal leader. He's the I do work. Yeah, <laughs> I, right. I, I lead by action. Right. And if you ever notice Darren Stewart, he seems to me, I don't know him personally, but he, he comes off as a quiet individual. Uh, but Aqib Tlaib, you know, he does a little talking, but he kind of goes outside the lines every now and again. And it just seemed like T.J. Ward was that, like, solidified, structured voice in that defense. He might not have been the best player, but you see guys in uh, – you know, um, he was the captain that didn't wear the C. Yeah, mm-hmm. basically, basically. So it, it seems to be that uh, that could have been a bigger loss than uh, anticipated. And sometimes that's that's overlooked when you make these personnel decisions. That this was the guy that that kind of held it together. He's the guy that really leads you in the locker room. He keeps the guys in line on the sideline. And when he's gone, you don't realize exactly what he did and what he meant to the defense until it's too late. And where did he go? Uh, Tampa Bay. Who's mm, their right defense was supposed to be good earlier in the year, but I don't want to tell you. I don't want to get on uh, Jameis. No, no. Uh, this, another, in the news again. Yeah, this another week. question I've got about the Broncos to end the season that we have agreed collectively that the Broncos' 2017 season uh, is pretty much over. But moving forward into 2018, Paxton Lynch is healthy. He was the backup quarterback this last week. Brock Osweiler got the job done to a certain point, but Brock's not coming back and saving the team next year. Paxton Lynch is a guy the Broncos spent a first-round pick on two years ago, and John Elway has such an affliction with this guy. Do you have to hand the reins over to, to save, A, your own job if you're John Elway, and B, save any hope of thinking Paxton Lynch may be the guy? What do you mean, John? Like John Elway like being fired? Like John Elway made a really bad mistake in letting these guys go so you could get Paxton Lynch, and now all of a sudden, if oh, you never let him play in the hey, first three years. First off, John John's going to be there till he feels like it's, <laughs> it's uh, not necessary for him to be there. That's first. Uh, second... Um, that's just too much pressure to put on Paxton Lynch. Let's just, let's just be honest. Well, is, 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 is he, is he supposed to save the day? Save the day? And no. I, don't even, I don't even think a first round, just because he, he went in the first round, uh, that's his responsibility. No, and I don't think it's to save the day. I think that's why it's almost the perfect opportunity. You're not He's going not to. Ready. You're not, but, but neither are the Broncos this year. They're 3-7. and seven. They're not ready to play So NFL you wouldn't put football. him out there just to see what he's got? No, I, no I, I, I get what you're saying, and I would do that as well, but he's going to crash and burn. That that's the the probability of it. He's going to crash and burn. It flames. Would you rather have Heat. him 
crash and burn this season when the entire organization has done so or do the whole thing over in 2018 and say hey Paxton try not to crash and burn because if you do now this is two losing seasons in a row me, uh, me personally I would wait till the next season I would stick Osweiler in there put his face in the mud <laughs> let people know <laughs> how, that's just personal. How, how bad of a quarterback you were how dare you try to ask yeah. me for one or two million more than go somewhere else really stink it up really? I think at the end of the day that's the only reason they brought him back just to just to let him suck. Yeah, put his face in the mud. <laughs> that, you know. That's what I would do because honestly, when you in the NFL, everything is about your confidence, bro. Mm-hmm. Like everything is about confidence in the NFL. Everybody is at an elite level. Why? Why you, do you see Garoppolo playing over in San Francisco? Nope. So why would you know Pax and Lynch? If that if this is their only hope, you come into next season with um, somebody they either got in free agency. Or drafted, and they put them against each other and see who comes out uh, victorious. Uh, but right now, I, I just think that's unfair for Paxton Lynch. And well, Osweiler's only here for a year, right? At the end of the season, and I then would love gone. to see a guy like Tyrod Taylor come over in the offseason. We'll talk more about Tyrod Taylor in the next segment, which means we're going to take a quick break on the Next Level Podcast. If you haven't seen the first segment, check it out. In the meantime, we'll be back on the other side of this. Thanks for listening. The Next Level Podcast is brought to you by AIM Home Healthcare, located at 1208 Eagle Ridge Boulevard in Pueblo, Colorado. For more information, call 719-924-9458. What? Why everybody calling my phone? Huh? Is it? Is it? It don't matter. It got blow out. It's just a game. Huh? We ain't got all our players. Huh? We ain't got no kick or nothing. Oh, oh, listen, brother. I'm gonna give you your money, man. Huh? Calm down. For calm down. Calm down. Huh? I ain't signing weak. I ain't ate today. You know I'm a vegan. I'm not hurt. I'm gonna give you your money, man. Everybody call him up. Everybody call my phone. Huh? We gonna be all right, brother. We still going to play out. We still going to the top, huh? We went through something. Everybody struggle, huh? We went through the wilderness, but help is on the way. You best to believe it, brother, huh? Huh? Am I crying? No, brother. These ain't details of joy. You know why? Because in the end, we will prevail. Now I have to ask you, JP. Is that how every Dallas Cowboys fan feels after this week's loss? Loss is an understatement. Beating at the hand of the Eagles? Beating, drudging, I don't know. What, whatever word you want to put in there other than loss would, would work for me. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how most Cowboys fans are. Actually, I do. Most Cowboys fans are like, oh, you know, it's because we missed Zeke. It's because Smith was out. It's Sean Lee was out. Sure, those guys were out, but you still have... 22 guys that started the game that are in the National Football League. They're not on a JV team somewhere. Uh, it, it's coaching. That's the problem. Is It's coaching. It's the general manager. And imagine that. If you can believe it, the Cowboys are 5-5 five and five under Jason Garrett this season. Wow. A dead even he's 500. Pulling a Jeff Fisher he's, out there in they, Dallas. Yeah. And he got an extension. No, he's pulling a Jason Garrett. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's pulling a... They, they oh. are... Uh, a big budget film that goes nowhere every year. I really, I really can't understand. I just, I, I don't understand Dallas Cowboy fans. There's an excuse like every week on why 
things didn't go the way that they should have went. And there's so many Cowboy fans, and they're so spread out throughout the country. And you can find Cowboys fans every year. There's still people. Des Bryant is a top five receiver. Des Bryant looks like he's, he runs a four nine forty. He looks overweight. It's, if you glance at him, it, it's tight end ish, is what I see. I, uh, Dak Prescott. Now listen, I like Dak Prescott. I, I think he came in and did a lot of great things for that organization as a rookie, put a lot of things on his back, but was also supported by, obviously, a, a good offensive line and a good run game. Obviously, they're missing uh, Tyron Smith, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Sean Lee, uh, some key pieces of that offense. But I wanted to see a little more from Dak, right? Is it is it just me, or no, did, he, did, he, did he have a test that he didn't have to – necessarily ace, but he at least had to uh, pass. You know, we would have took a 68, a 70. We would have took a D, given all the things that you were, you know, missing. But it it, it was clearly an F on his part. One of the things that's been consistent with Dex from last year through this year, even with the success last year, is his throwing. He throws high. And those interceptions come because the receiver's in the air. It comes off the shoulder pad. Sometimes they're behind them. I know you can't be perfect on every pass. I get that. But he throws behind the receiver a lot, and he throws high a lot. And that high ball, there's a safety back there usually who can just center field it. Um, so, you know, the first one I don't put on him went off of Terrence Williams. Use your hands, not your freaking shoulder. And then maybe that doesn't happen. That's something that's taught, you know, in middle school. Get your hands in front of you to catch the ball. Um, but... Uh, I'm going to go there because, number one, I love the guy, and I hate the fact he's not on the field anymore. But if Tony could be in there, oh, it wow. would be a different game. First, it would be a different game first because off, Tony look. has the reins to throw the ball down the field. They don't let Dak do it. Everything has to be short with Dak. And when he goes deep, most of the time it's an overthrow. It's an overthrow. So, Jason, I don't know. Tony's, when... a, Tony's an OG in the, in the booth. He's calling. Yeah, yeah. Oh, call, I love him. He's calling plays before they happen. I know. And he's it's actually awesome. over talking the, mm-hmm. the other OG yeah. in the booth with yeah, him. Jim Nance. He's doing a great job. But I, I, I tell you one thing, you can't you can't outrun Father Time and no, you can't no. outrun NFL defenses. They will at some point catch up to you. That they're, they're gonna catch up to Colin Kaepernick. They're gonna catch up to the Wildcat. When you don't have Ezekiel Elliott. They're just going to double Cole Beasley. They're going to take away Des Bryant. They're going to give you single coverage. And if Witten every now and again gets free, they'll take that because he's 50 years old. Yeah. Defenses will catch up to you. You see it every year thinking some team is going to explode. We've been waiting for Tampa Bay for three years. True. You know what I mean? So uh, defensively, teams have just kind of can clamp you in the NFL when you don't have a guy like Ezekiel in your backfield. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing right now. It's you double you double a couple receivers. You bring pressure. Uh, they can't block the pressure, so it's going nowhere. Didn't hear Beasley's name yesterday. No, uh, all season he's been shut down compared to what he was. They, last year. they double the slot. Yeah. They say Dez is not as good as I guess Dallas fans think he is. And, and then when you take away the element of uh, Elliot, it's it's and curtains. You can't rely on Terrence Williams. He's unreliable. And when he gets the ball, he you has never the know drops. if he's going to do something stupid. He's got the drops, and he does do some stupid. And that's the thing. That's that's the whole Cowboy thing. I'm not even a fan. But just from media, I just know so much about mm-hmm. them. I don't like their games. They're always on. 
It's like I shouldn't know this much about the Dallas Cowboys, but... And they put them on more this year because of last year's success. And I think it's kind of funny that uh, you... It's like they were a different team because everybody went into the season thinking, this is the Tony Romo Dallas Cowboys. He goes down, it's Dak, and then they're running a little bit different kind of offense. It took the whole league a little bit of time to adjust to what they were doing. But this year, you've got a whole body of work to look at. Mm -hmm. And the offensive coordinator, the head coach... They're not, Scott Linehan and, and Jason Garrett are not deviating from what they did. So everybody knows what Dak is going to do. He's going to hand it to Zeke. When he's not handing it to Zeke, they're going to try to do some little fancy rollout, and there's going to be a DN standing there waiting on him, and he can't get away. Well, it's just, I don't know, it's frustrating to me because they take away everything underneath, which is where he had a lot of success last year, hitting Beasley, and uh, now they got nothing. And 145 yards last week, or... <laughs> Yesterday. And Garrett comes out every 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 week and say, "Hey, Morrison, they they've been proving guys in this league." And Darren McFadden, at least he has the oranges to lie to us. Yeah. <laughs> From one <laughs> sad fan base to another, I feel bad for the Cowboys fans because they didn't expect it. The Bills fans, guys, this is a story that I want to just cry for the city of Buffalo for. Tyrod Taylor has led this team into a contentious spot in the season they could be in the playoffs instead he gets benched in the middle of his best season probably at quarterback for the bills in favor of nathan peterman a guy that they just took in he played college ball at Pitt and at tennessee and in his first career nfl start the guy throws five interceptions three in the first half and tyrod taylor had three in the first nine games of the season yeah. worst starting performance ever for a quarterback or was it just the circumstance it makes you, and I, of course, I'm a Buffalo native. Mm -hmm. The only fan I've ever been of a football team outside of the Broncos. Obviously, growing up in Buffalo, four Super Bowls in a row. Mm -hmm. We lost, but uh, those were great times. But you got to look at the coach, and at every moment in someone's life, a fan can look at what's going on, and it humanizes them. The fan is able to look at the game and say, wow, this dude's an idiot, <laughs> a complete idiot. And we all make mistakes regardless of, you know, what level we're at, where we're coaching, where we're working. Everybody makes mistakes. Mm -hmm. Everybody has idiotic mistakes. And this kind of evens the playing field for the fan, the consumer. You got to look at this guy and you can't even respect them. No. You definitely can't respect him as a head coach, but you're an idiot. You had a five and three team. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, a Tyrod Taylor who didn't he didn't like do bad. He no. just didn't win the game. Uh, you paid him a hundred million dollars. I know that's a lot of bonus incentives and mm -hmm. things like that to have that round figure in a weak AFC. You're in playoff contention. Yeah. And in the middle of the season, you pull him. In, in favor of a guy that's never played. Nobody on earth knew who this gentleman was. I, I Is it Nathan Peterman? Nathan Peterman and his mom are the only two people that actually knew he existed in the NFL. But again, this was not fair to that kid. That was not fair to that kid. And it so, wasn't fair to Tyrod Taylor. Well, and now it, you've most got Most importantly, a, it wasn't fair to Tyrod Taylor. You've got a spot with a lot of football <coughs> left to play and a divided locker room if there's ever been one because everybody knew Tyrod was the better quarterback heading in. At least he got them to a better spot in the season. Now you've got a guy that thought he was going to be the face of this team get out there and start leading this playoff 
playoff run in Nathan Peterman gets yanked halfway through his first career start because he threw five picks. And now what do you just say if you're Sean McDermott? Sorry, Tyrod, I yeah. messed up. Want to lead the team to the exactly. playoffs? You come to practice tomorrow and that's what comes up. I'm kidding, man. I was just kidding. That was funny. It is. You know? That's stupid. It, how do you not pull him after two picks? Right. How do you not pull him after three? How do you not pull him after four? You let him get to the dirty five, and that's that's bad he on his Twenty five passes. He was fifteen and twenty five. What, what this? One hundred fifty eight yards and the five interceptions. What, what this part? What I'm the, sorry, that was that was Tyrod's numbers. He was six of fourteen for sixty six yards with five interceptions. Even worse. What fourteen passes, five of them intercepted. What McDermott did was he ruined this kid's career. He made him a punchline uh, for the media for about a week. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't survive after this season, I don't know his contract situation, but people go off of what you've put on film. Like, it's on film. You've thrown five picks and a half. Yeah, He sacrificed his kid's career for... For what? We Nobody okay. knows. We'll yeah. ever know. Well, and, and the no one knew. The interesting part to me is I've seen this shift in a lot of head coaches, and, it, and I thought maybe it was just the inexperience and the youth of some of these coaches in going with a different guy. Because originally you weren't sure; you thought it was going to be Jared Goff this year. Sean McVay out in LA said, "Yeah, he's definitely our guy." But then you see the same thing when you see the the shift in Sean McDermott going with. Uh, what's his name, Peterman this week. Now you've got a situation out in Green Bay where McCoy's hand is forced because he's got Aaron Rodgers goes down and he has to pull in Brett Hundley. Now you've got three young, promising quarterbacks McCarthy. that you think these are all there. What's that? Uh, Coach McCarthy. Oh, yeah. McCarthy, yeah, that's right. Uh, Packers. You see him come in and he throws three picks. So you see this, this youth movement where all these teams are going out willing to make that trade for a guy like Garoppolo, that young, fresh-faced backup quarterback that's going to come in and be your savior. And so far in the four examples we've seen this season, that's not the answer. It, it really isn't. Uh, but, but you also see guys like Case Keenan lighting it on fire. Where did he come from? But all, all these guys are good. Nathan Peterman, I, I don't know what college he went to, where he's from. But he's there for a reason. But sometimes it's just fit. Sometimes it doesn't. You don't fit that particular scheme. You don't fit that city. You don't fit those people. You don't fit those coaches. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things have to. Everybody's good, but for you to be successful uh, in the league and be consistent, there's a little bit of luck that plays in it, and some the ball just kind of has to bounce your way. Yeah, and, and I get that because I I didn't really see it until I saw. The Patriots, who had the two most prolific backup quarterbacks in Jacoby Brissett and Jimmy Garoppolo, and they said, have them. We don't need them. We're okay with rolling with 41-year-old Tom Brady, bringing in Brian Hoyer as his backup, and now you see Garoppolo not playing in San Fran and Jacoby Brissett struggling in Indianapolis. Well, I just want to touch on this, too. Uh, You you talked about the Bills with that change, Mm -hmm. uh, and you would think that they were a team that was out of contention. They are you know, firmly holding on to that they, wild. But they were five. desperate. They're five and five now. I mean, and, and they were five and four going in into the week. No, yeah. So the Patriots are eight and two, sitting at the top of the division. Buffalo is in the in the two seat in that division. Uh, Pittsburgh eight and two in their division. Jacksonville seven and three. Kansas City six and four. Those are your division leaders, mm-hmm. guaranteed. They were in the wild the card division. hunt. They're in the wild card hunt. The I mean, the the next closest team you got Baltimore at five and five. Then you got the Titans at six and four, the Chargers at four and six. 
It, it, it almost it, comes it, down to, I, I feel like it's like the ghost of the hoodie. I feel like I it's the ghost of the hoodie. It's, I don't know what the Cause, heck was going on. Because sometimes you have to overanalyze and overthink when you're in that AFC East, when you got the, the hoodie kind of, we don't know that feeling. I've never had that feeling. Being a part of the Broncos organization, even when we had down years, it's like we were still the Broncos. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, if you're in that AFC East, there there is no Dolphins, there is no Jets. It's Tom in the hoodie just kind of looking down on you. Right. Because I have no other explanation on how you make decisions like that halfway during the season when you're in a wild card hunt. Well, no, I don't get it either. I, it blows my mind, and on a national scale like that, I can't believe it. Now, we've done talked about the national scale, which means that's the end of the third segment, but if you haven't seen the first three, make sure to check them out. When we come first back two. for the final... Well, this is the third. I'm just saying if you have not seen... The <laughs> Smart other guy. Leading up to this third, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the fourth, fourth quarter of this one is going to be a little bit of local news. We've got a big story coming out of Pueblo this week, so don't miss it. It's on the Next Level Podcast. The Next Level Podcast is brought to you by AIM Home Healthcare, located at 1208 Eagle Ridge Boulevard in Pueblo, Colorado. For more information, call 719-924-9458. <laughs> It is time to wrap up the Next Level Podcast this week, guys. We've talked to two amazing UFC fighters, Tisha Torres, Raquel Pennington, in the first segment of the show. We bashed on the Denver Broncos for a minute in the second segment. We talked about the total NFL last segment. Now we've got to bring it a little more local. So looking at a couple of Pueblo High School football teams heading into their second round matchups in the playoffs, JP. Third. Third round. But who's counting? Well, a second round. Semifinals. It's only state after this. It's no biggie. Well, your uh, sequential approach is a little (laughs) off today. I was talking about three last time. This is the end of the third segment. So if you haven't seen it, go back and watch all three. The first three. They wouldn't even see. So how do you not watch the third round of the playoffs if you haven't had two already? <laughs> Communications, man. It's all right, bro. We're good. Sorry. I'm not a math no, major. Usually no, I'm the one messing judging, that bro. up. Nobody's judging, So the only judgment here is on the South Colts and the Pueblo West Cyclones because if these two teams can get it done this weekend, they'll meet in the state championship. And this was something we had brought up to both of these, these teams when we talked to them the last two weeks on the show. Pueblo West is one win against Broomfield away. Pine, Pine, Creek. Pine Creek from going to the state championship. <laughs> South is a win away from Pine Creek. Uh, just kidding, Broomfield. To make it to the state championship, do you think it happens? Why not? I mean, the West guys were so confident last week that they were like, if we can get past uh, Chatfield, it's easy from that point on. So, I don't know. I, why not? I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm just ex- I, I think this is like the first time. Uh, am I uh, staying in Pueblo or living in Pueblo? Like, I'm that invested yeah. in, in, in the high school um, state cha- football state championship and, like, the road to it and the players involved in it. And uh, to have kids on both sides, you know, Pueblo West and South kind of training both, both sides mm-hmm. as well as uh, the first game of the season, Pueblo West versus South. West ekes out a, a one point win, double overtime. Uh, Barbie goes moss <laughs> on, on earth, and uh, I believe that it's going to happen. I believe it's going to. Pueblo West, I believe, deserves it, mm-hmm. and Pueblo South are good enough. 
They, in my opinion, in 4A, they're the fastest team out there. Okay. They're, they're on some greatest show on turf. I, I'm telling you, they're, they're an explosive bunch. And even if you bracket Barbie on the outside, you still got Panunzio. You still got Brock in the backfield. And, again, Pueblo West just has a myriad of just above-average players, very good players, uh, and a well-coached team on both ends. So, um, Chatfield, I think, was a huge um, – uh, a huge game for them to be mm-hmm. able to win that. And and some people might have spoke as if Chatfield was better than uh, Pine Creek. Uh, they went up to Pine Creek before and lost by a touchdown. I think they remember that. And I think um, that will stick with the team and have them more prepared going into this one to say, hey, you know, we beat Chatfield. We hung in there the first time we played them. This time, for sure, we're going to bring it mm-hmm. home because we know what's on the other side of that coin. I can see Pine Creek kind of saying, hey, last time we didn't kind of put our full effort or should have did better. Mm-hmm. And those are uh, sometimes can, can trap you in the mind. So if we can get a Southwest uh, state championship, I guarantee 50-yard line with my feet up on the Broncos uh, <laughs> rail in there. Now, I'll be joining you. I already told my wife the other day, I was like, look, in two weeks, if it's, if it's West-South, there's absolutely no way we're not going. And she's like, all right, if, if you want to drag me to Denver and take me to the game, Listen, then fine. This but. is a true statement, true statement. And maybe some people will not – I've never done fantasy football ever. Okay. People ask me all the time. Mm-hmm. I have never tailgated in my life. Mm, okay. Ever in my life. Southwest goes, I'm tailgating. Okay. Now, a we're, next we're question. We're going party bus. Follow-up <laughs> question. Are you going to funnel in Buffalo hot dogs for your tailgate? Now listen, if the, if it does happen, I think I can get them shipped from Buffalo to here within forty eight hours. <laughs> That's expedited. I, I, I believe I can do that. That's I, like I'm, holiday I'm Federal Express. Now, when you were talking about Marcel Barbie, final note on this before we move to CSU Pueblo, I'm going to coin this before it goes big because you're talking about Marcel Barbie and think the guy has a real shot about moving up. You've got Revis Island on the defensive side of the ball. Can we call his little planet out there Barbie World? Oh, now listen, right? For me, now wait, listen, listen, though, right? Because oh, you're a youngster, Tristan. Tristan. I'm just like, asking. for me, that's hot. I, I'm with you because I Thank grew you. up on Bobby's World. Howie Mandel. Is that where you're coming from? No, the song, like, I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie Living world. in a Barbie world. Oh, now, Life now, in plastic. Now it's I fantastic. My age. That's all right. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, uh, you're Bobby's thinking the cartoon, world, the yeah. Cartoon, like, I thought it was. I thought it was sweet. I don't know. It wasn't as good as a joke, but I'm going to take your word for it. Yes, I was hey, thinking about you know, Mandel and Bobby's world was that deal. Just just to throw it out there, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, moving on. Pueblo football has been hot in the past couple of weeks, and though Siege Pueblo football, all Pueblo that's where we're football, going right now. But that's where okay. we're going because I have yet to do my 100 push-ups that I owe hmm. for the pack making it in the playoffs. Eked in as the number seven seed, taking on number. Minnesota State Mankato out there in the frozen tundra of Minnesota took it into overtime and dropped it in a heartbreaking fashion. They got bounced in the first round of the playoffs again, but but can you call it a down season for the pack? That's a that's a tough one, man. That's, <laughs> that's a tough one. It's it. it's yes because they lost to two teams that they had zero business losing to, uh, and no. Because they did make it in, and they took the number one team in the nation into overtime and just came up short because of a wind gust. So, 
it's a it's a middle of the line thing, man, or a middle of the road thing. Uh, the the play by the offense just wasn't there all season. Mm-hmm. The defense, uh, the last four weeks especially, Locked lights out. out just just as good tremendous as good. defense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Oh, the the one thing I can say about this season is you're only losing twelve guys. Sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah. Uh, That's not that bad. Twelve difference makers, right? You you, you got you got a solid. Listen, <laughs> Brandon Pear, Darius Williams are draftable kids. Yes. This is how good these guys are. Uh, Pear, from an athletic standpoint, just an athletic, 250, 6'2", thighs like tree trunks, a neck like a tree trunk, and he can run like a deer, lateral, speed, powerful. Uh, Darius Williams is a lockdown quarter at the Division II yeah. level. And I, it's almost like you wish you could see him against a, a little better competition. Uh, he broke the CSU Pueblo interception record. Mm-hmm. He'll come up and hit you. And then you got this other kid on the other side, uh, Emory Taylor, who we kind of mm-hmm. forget about, you know, because, you know, Darius has so many picks. But uh, he's got he's got six in his own right. And he's only a sophomore going into his junior year. Yeah. I, I feel like in the next year, that running, that backfield, you get back Bernard Ooh. McDonald, you got Marche, you got Michi. Um, and then you got Marcus Lindsay, the redshirt freshman, coming in. You got, hey, now he's, listen, he's a good he combo. He was the four A offensive player of the year, not just running back. Anything four A offensive player of the year, and he's on your roster. Now listen, I, I know this is out of left field. You're going to have a hungry David Cardinal coming in from Ooh. having a season off. So that that backfield, uh, but the only thing we're losing some offensive linemen. All of them, yeah. Keith Head. Some of the mainstays in that offense, McCulley being a starter uh, for four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith, I want to say he was up for the night. He didn't might have got it some. He, he, was there, he suited he out his he freshman year. He just didn't play a lot. Okay, so we're losing those two guys. Feenster in the middle. Feenster in the middle. Spencer Nathy at guard. Let's get off the O-line. I, I, what, <laughs> what are we going to do at quarterback? That's, that's well, the, What are we going to do at quarterback? Listen, that's I've going been to be preaching a good one it too. all year because it makes zero sense to me to not have Gunnar Lamphere start at quarterback because Brandon Edwards is going into his senior season. A.J. will medically redshirt, and he will go into his senior season. Or He might even be going – I believe A.J. is going to his junior, junior year. Yeah. He would go into his junior year. The problem I've got with that is Gunnar burned his redshirt. I don't think you can redshirt a guy after he played a full season. I could be wrong in that assumption, but it wouldn't make any sense – for me, to have a guy that Dave Brown went out and scouted as hard as he did in Gunner, have him show out the way he did in the couple of weeks he was called upon to play quarterback for this pack offense, and then all of a sudden say, well, you know, this guy, he looked pretty good in the three games he started for us, and this guy's been around for four years, and he adds something off the bench. We're going to sit you for the next two years, and then maybe your senior year you can show us what you've got. Makes no sense. I'm calling it right now. Gunner Lamphere starting the first game of 2018. i got to tell you, A.B., I don't, you, you probably didn't listen to us too much last year. Here we go. This guy last year, all he said was, I can't wait. I can't wait for Brandon Edwards. I can't wait for Brandon Edwards. Brandon Edwards gets in. It's like, love him. Love him. Brandon Edwards is the greatest thing. Oh, Brandon's hurt. Uh, Gunner. Gunner. Oh, look at Gunner. I can't wait for Gunner. I can't. Oh, oh two next years season. Ago, Gunner. Two years Gunner. Ago, who was my favorite quarterback on the roster? Two years ago, it was Rex. Last year, who was my favorite? Uh, Brandon. Next year, I'll have a different quarterback. I'm just saying, exactly. right now, Gunner Lamphere Exactly. Is my guy. But uh, I think it's going to be Brandon Edwards coming back next year. But. I, I will say it should be an open competition. He also advocated all season last year for AJ to move from quarterback to running back, receiver, just kind of that athlete position, bring him in a little bit for Wildcat. I, I, I think nobody knows. And, and for me, if it hasn't happened at this point, 
you know. Um, but if you got you got three guys again, it'll be that three horse race in spring ball and in fall ball between Edwards, Lamphere, and AJ. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how it's going to go. But when you when you when you talk about that defense, even even if we're uh, you're only losing two seniors from that defense, uh, Sizer and Croy, correct? Uh, or Sizer has another year. Sizer has another year. It's Croy and uh, Dominic Cisse. Cisse, yeah. Okay. So and I, I like Riston. I, I think he's uh, he, he low key could be a sleeper. Coach or player? Player. Defensive oh. end. I I think he switched positions. And doesn't really know the defensive end position. And sometimes when you transition, I've never done that from offense to defense or defense to offense. There's going to be this learning curve. But if he's able to kind of get ahead of the curve, he could be a sleeper for a next level guy. He was you, you've, heard, you've heard it here first. He was fifth on the team in tackles. <laughs> so that learning curve did not take very long for him to get there. Uh Three sacks on the year. And, and looking at his prospects for next season looked very good. Looking at just a couple of days in the future really michael riston could be could be nominated for a pack interference player of the year award let me get them real quick the point of the matter is at quarterback we don't need you to throw for three thousand yards if our if our running backs you're five six deep and we can plug in those offensive line spots you got a good enough defense you don't need a world beater you just i'm gonna give a however comma to that because in mankato they couldn't get the offense going. They couldn't get the run game going. I think it was 60-something yards mm-hmm. for Marche and 20-something for Michi. Between those two guys, under 100 yards, the pass game wasn't there, and they couldn't pull out a win. Uh, I think that there there have been times all season long where the the Achilles heel of this team has been the offense and the inability to move the ball. And when the run game isn't there, they just have not been able to move the ball. So I think you've got to be able to throw the ball and not just these little this is the one thing we talk about it every week is it's these these little dump passes the quick screens to the receivers where they just try to make something happen get rid of the play nothing happens it's only a two-yard gain if that let me ask a question to both you guys they've got to stretch the field more in a national championship year 2014 did that team have an identity yes and, I, and do you feel like this year the CSU Pueblo Thunderbolts had an identity? No. They, the only identity they had was our defense will shut you down. That it was did. it. That was the only identity they had. And there were times where the defense scored enough points to win the game when no. the offense couldn't do anything. So, and then most of those guys are coming back. I, I yeah. feel like next year um, some of these guys – Oh, it's going to be hammer time. Yeah. The, hammer the time Pairs, for that defense. The Williams, the size of the wrist and um, – even on offense with some of these running backs, yeah, uh, I think they're going to form a better identity because when we talk about pair, we talk about they're juniors. Yeah, yeah. they're going to come back bigger, better, stronger, faster, more mature, you, more experienced. The secondary is going to be the best unit probably in all of D two. Yep. You look about Emery Taylor, Darius Williams, Tanner Draper had a massive end of his season. Jamal he, Sears in just picks. his second season with the defense, true freshman last year. This could be the most shut down secondary. And I think in you all even of D2. come off of the the two thousand fourteen because I think sometimes maybe it's even hard to just relate to that and always kind of go back to that and say, you know, obviously this is the standard, but going into next year, they can make their own mark as opposed to kind of going back into the future. We've seen it happen. We've seen players go on to that next level. You've seen them, you know, hoist that championship. But I think this upcoming year with the personalities and the talent we just Mm -hmm. talked about will create their own identity and be able to take it home.
Well, exactly. we've, we've created our own identity on this show, and I think it's pretty fair to say we're probably the best thing out there. So if you have not already... <laughs> I'm going I'm to be more humble. That's not me. <laughs> uh, well, that makes one of us because I will eat your slice of humble pie, and I'll put whipped cream on top of it because you've got to find us on social media. I hope that's media. not bad for your liver. Uh, it's not <laughs> bad. It's already liver. chapped. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Recorder Next Level Performance. Uh, it's Twitter at the Recorder Next Level Performance. You can find the show pretty much everywhere. All week we'll have everything out. Uh, JP and I will be back for the Pack Interference podcast, and then next week the show's going to get bigger and better. So make sure to check out all of this week's episodes, all four guys. I got it right this time, and uh, thanks for listening and watching this week's edition of the Next Level Podcast. The Next Level Podcast is brought to you by Aim Home Healthcare, located at twelve oh eight Eagle Ridge Boulevard in Pueblo, Colorado. For more information, call 719-924-9458.